Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Um, (laughs) uh, We're continuing our series called Elephants in the Room, Elephants 2018. If you don't know, we started this series about four years ago. Uh, We we thought, you know, there's so many different topics that the church tends to shy away from. We just really need to, you know, uh, just grow a spine and, uh, you know, just confront these topics um, head on. And so we we take taboo, uncomfortable, and awkward topics. We face them. Now, I said this disclaimer last week. I'm going to say it again this week. Uh, As we talk about some of these sensitive subjects, please understand and know that I'm not targeting anyone. Uh, This is not um, a a way for me to kind of, you know, tell you what I think about your life. This is for the whole body, okay? And if the Holy Spirit happens to target you a little bit, well, that's between you and him. Um, So this morning we're talking about suicide. Suicide. Not a fun topic, is it? Not a fun topic. As a matter of fact, I struggled this week as I was studying. Um, I had to take a break uh, from from reading the stuff. I read an entire book uh, by a Christian uh, psychologist on the subject. I read several articles, um, read just a lot of information, and I found myself having to just take a break and go watch goat videos on YouTube, which you guys know is uh, fun for me, cat videos as well. Um, no one get goat videos, please. Have you? Okay, just you're like we don't use YouTube. It's not we use GodTube. <laughs> Whatever. Um, it, it's super uncomfortable, right? Suicide is super uncomfortable, especially since there's this myth that surrounds it that says that talking about it makes people more likely to do it. Have you ever felt like like that? Like, you know, someone's depressed and you kind of want to ask them, well, you know, have you considered taking your own life? But you're afraid if you say that, they'll think, you know, I never thought of that. Great idea. You don't want that to happen. And so you, you, just, you just remain silent. Um, everything I read, you guys, Christian, secular, psychologists, everyone, everyone I said says that talking about suicide does not make it more likely. As a matter of fact, talking about it makes it less likely. Because the person that's struggling is most likely struggling in silence and isolation. And so if you bring it up or if you in a loving way talk to them and say, Hey, are, it's, do you happen to be dealing with this? Many times it's, oh, thank God someone brought this up. Because I didn't know how to. But still, it's an awkward topic. And of course, the church has made it into a theological question. Whenever, whenever the church, um, the, the, the topic of suicide comes up, it's, well, does someone automatically go to hell if they, create, if they commit suicide? What a terrible thing to ask. Now, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to answer it at the end of this message on purpose just because it's not the most important question. 
The most important question you as a believer in Jesus Christ should be asking yourself when the topic of suicide is how can I help people that are struggling? That's the question. And if you've exchanged the, the how can I help question for the do they go to hell question, you have substituted a relationship with a loving God for religious rules. And we don't want to do that here. So I'll get to that. <laughs> but later. Mm, on purpose. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so let's just go over, these are going to be very uncomfortable. I apologize in advance, but you need to know the truth. Let's go over some of the facts about suicide. According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, around 45,000 Americans die by suicide each year. That's around the total population of our community, Thomas County, every year. Um, the American suicide rate, it actually rose by 28% from 1999 to 2016. They saw a lull in the 80s, uh, in the early 90s, in suicide. But now, since the late 90s, early 2000s, we're actually seeing a surge. For every suicide, there are 25, on average, 25 attempts. Let me just explain. That's not an individual attempting 25 times before they commit suicide. These are, these are, are uh, general numbers. So there are a lot more attempts than there are actual suicides. So if there are 45,000, you can do the math. I've done it for you. The 45,000 deaths by suicide each year, uh, there are 25 attempts for those 45,000. That's actually 1.1 million attempts per year. Okay? 1.1 million. There are 13.4 suicides per 100,000 people, just to give you an idea of how how common it is. Um, so if, if we were to, again, take this down to Thomas County and just do the math, uh, that means about seven suicides per year, all things being equal. If, we, if they were equally distributed, they're not. But if they were equally distributed by geography, that would mean that Thomas County would have around seven suicides a year and 175 attempts per year. Men die by suicide three and a half times more often than women, but women attempt suicide more often. So, hey, guys, something you're better at. <laughs> guys actually uh, commit suicide at a much higher rate, but women actually uh, attempt suicide at a slightly higher rate, uh, which is interesting. Um, and this is uh, white males accounted for 70% of suicides in 2016. Um, it doesn't mean that other groups aren't affected. Of course they are, but, but this is largely uh, white males, and especially middle-aged uh, white males are the ones uh, who seem to be the most effective. Now, you're going to notice, let me just say this, a lot of these statistics will reference back to 2016. That's the last year that we have complete statistics on suicide. It's, they always lag a couple years behind. Um, one study... Uh, the 2015 Youth Risk Behaviors Survey found that 8.6% of high schoolers uh, made at least one suicide attempt in the last 12 months or last year. Uh, Girls attempted twice as often as boys, um, and teens of Hispanic origin reported the highest rate of attempt. So among teenagers, it's the Hispanic kids uh, that, that are reporting higher rates of attempts. Um, and then, of course, we have the celebrity suicides. Um, everyone heard about Robin Williams? 
when he killed himself. Uh, some of my favorite singers, Chris Cornell from a band called Soundgarden and Audio Slave, killed himself. Most amazing voice. If you never heard that guy sing, my goodness. Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, saw him live. Most recent uh, 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 suicide deaths, there's a musician, Avicii, a really well-known DJ, great song that was huge. Anthony Bourdain, the food guy, right? Kate Spade. These things shock us when we hear about these celebrities killing themselves because they have seemingly what we all want. Like, I would want a TV about food. I mean, if my job could be to go around and you can film me eating, like, I'm set, right? That's, that's awesome. I'm like, man, where do I sign up, <laughs> right? And traveling everywhere, travel and food, you know, that's, that's it. But, but so these people, these, these guys, they have, they're, they're, they're the best singers, they're the best actors, they can make anyone laugh. And yet, it's confusing to us when they kill themselves because suicide often doesn't make sense on the outside. It's an internal struggle. Let's look at some susceptibility factors. I'm just going to be numbing you with some stats here real quick, just because I want you to know susceptibility factors. In other words, who is most vulnerable? What groups are most vulnerable to suicide? Well, the, the number one indicator um, of vulnerability to suicide is untreated mental illness. Untreated mental illness. This would, uh, this would include clinical depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, other things like that. It's the leading risk factor for the vast majority of suicides. 90% of people who commit suicide have one or more diagnosable mental illnesses, according to one study. So, uh, so this, this, is an important, this is an important thing. In addition, there are other risk factors, right? We see substance abuse is a major risk factor. All right? We see uh, people who are going through a traumatic life change. Um, when, 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 like, there is an affair during a marriage, uh, when there is a job loss, when there's a, um, an injury, that, that especially when it changes someone's way of living, um, these are traumatic things, um, life changes um, that can sometimes uh, produce suicidal ideation. Um, people who have lost someone close to them. Uh, or a, a relative or a friend due to suicide. Um, this can kind of create an extra vulnerability. Uh, people who have been diagnosed with PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, usually coming from a traumatic event. Um, our military veterans um, have uh, an extra vulnerability and a susceptibility factor. People in the uh, lesbian, gay, bi, and trans community um, often have a, um, a higher susceptibility to suicide. Uh, and then people who have been arrested for a crime uh, and incarcerated. Uh, we, see, we see this. Um, now, let me just say this really, really quickly. Uh, you may be a gay veteran <laughs> um, who, you know, was arrested for a crime. That doesn't mean you're going to commit suicide. This is informational, not prophetic. Okay? And I almost, I almost didn't put this part in the sermon uh, because I didn't want anyone to think, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I'm struck. I've had a traumatic, uh, look, uh-uh. <laughs> 
No, no, this is what we're just trying to do is to help you recognize uh, certain factors uh, that make people sometimes, this, this is not a guarantee that you'll even think about suicide. Uh, it's just when they've done the statistics, they've found that these things sometimes make it more likely. Which kind of begs the question here, I think this is a really good question, why do people commit suicide? Why do people commit suicide? Well, there's no really easy answer, okay? Uh, Suicide-related behavior is really complicated, and and it's rarely the result of a single source of trauma or stress. So there's not like one thing, if this happens, we know. That's just not, not how it works. Because everyone who might have ended their life and we see, well, these were their susceptibility factors, you've got literally millions of people with the same susceptibility factors who didn't kill themselves, Okay? So it's not that cut and dry. It's not that easy to determine. But overall, no matter who you read, who you go to, as far as the source of information about suicide, that people commit suicide because of extreme emotional pain. Extreme emotional pain. Where the emotional pain is so jarring, so hurtful, that they, they just they can't see a way out of it. And they almost see suicide as a relief, as the prescription. And it's that extreme emotional pain that causes someone to kill themselves. Again, it can come from many sources. It's not just one reason. Now, as Christians, we know... That there's a whole spiritual world out there that exists, right? That's often overlooked by the scientific papers and, and, the, uh, and, and those type of things. And, and, and it's true. It's very. I want you to hear the balance here, okay? Suicidal thoughts can absolutely be demonic in nature. Absolutely. 100%. As a matter of fact, there are seven people that committed suicide in the Bible that we know of. The Bible is reporting that they committed suicide. Two of them, two of the best known, were specifically mentioned by Scripture as having been oppressed by evil spirits. One is King Saul. He was so oppressed with an evil spirit of depression, he had to have musicians come in, and when they played, David actually played, and the spirit would leave him. And then Judas, who, of course, you know who betrayed Jesus, uh, and it says Satan entered him. And then after Jesus uh, was arrested and, and, and killed, Judas hung himself. So absolutely, uh, uh, demons in the spiritual world can have a strong effect on this, but you need to understand that the demonic is not the only reason why someone would want to kill themselves. There, there, there could be a very physical uh, lack of serotonin in the brain that's caused depression. And you compound that with a series of traumatic events and other things, and, and it could lead to that without a spiritual source. And so we've got to be super, super careful because the church's tendency is to just throw a Bible at someone when they're struggling. But that doesn't make any sense. If I were to fall off the stage and break my leg and the bone's sticking out, you wouldn't say, here, read the word. Do I need to read the word? Of course I need to read the word. But right now I need my bones set <laughs> by a doctor. And I'll be honest, I don't really care if he's a Christian. <laughs> I just want him to do it right. Right? Put that cast on real good. All right? We can talk about who you pray to later. 
And so, and so we, we've got to understand, you know, and I know when, when you're faced with, and we'll talk about what to do when someone uh, comes to you about suicidal thoughts, but, but you, you, you kind of freeze up sometimes like, um, um, well, the Lord is good. Well, that's true, but it's not helpful. Platitudes aren't helpful. Now, I believe personally, this is my personal opinion, this is not scripture, I believe that there has been a, a spiritual strongman, a spirit of suicide that has been released over the United States for about 20 years now. And, and I, I, it's funny, I believe that, I think I actually told Tiff that when I was preparing for the message, and then I actually read that the rates have been going up since then. And we see these celebrity suicides, and we see copycat suicides, and we see all this kind of stuff happen. What's going on? Where is the church? And so that's why we're talking about this. Well, what does Scripture say? Well, Scripture gives us some keys from the life of Elijah. There's this prophet Elijah. He was like, he was like the big man on campus, right, during his time uh, back in Israel. He was the V-man Lots of signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, and, and we're going to actually read um, 1 Kings 19, 1 through 5. I want to give you some context, though. Elijah has this showdown with the prophets of Baal. There's hundreds of prophets of Baal. It's just one Elijah. And, and uh, the prophets, of, they're comparing whose God is greater. This is not going to end well for the prophets of Baal. And so they get up on this platform, and, and they're trying to get God to an, their God to answer by fire, and they're cutting themselves, and they're dancing, and they're going crazy. It's really, you should really read this. It's, it's 1 Kings 18, and uh, Elijah's like yelling stuff like, oh, maybe you should yell louder. Maybe he's losing his hearing. Or maybe he's in the bathroom. That's actually what he says. Elijah's taunting them. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe, you know, just keep going a little bit longer. I'm sure it'll be over soon. And so, uh, and, and so, you know, they go about it, and Elijah's like, all right, just stop, watch. He actually pours water all over the altar just to, just to add insult to injury. And then he just humbly prays and says, God, show them who you are. Boom, fire comes and just annihilates the entire altar. It's amazing. And then he goes on and he kills all the prophets of Baal. That was Old Testament. Don't do that today, okay? You do not have permission to kill false prophets. So there's this huge win in Elijah's life, right? I mean, he should be like having cake, right? <laughs> Celebrating, patting himself on the back. Yeah, God was faithful. I really showed those prophets of Baal. What's up? It's really going to influence my ministry. I'm going to put this on Instagram. I'm going to get thousands of likes. But what happens? Let's, let's read. It's 1 Kings 19, 1 through 5. When Ahab got home, this is the king. He's a bad king. He told Jezebel, his wife, Everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Here's something you need to understand about Jezebel. She was demon possessed. Okay. Scripture says, over, as a matter of fact, you may have heard, we actually still, in our common language, you can call someone a Jezebel. And you know that don't do it, okay? But, but, but you know it's just a controlling evil woman. And, and so and God actually talks to the churches in Revelation and says, hey, you don't put up with Jezebel as a spirit of control that attacks the church. So she says she sends this threat. What should have Elijah done? He should have said, the God that brought down fire on that wet altar is the same God that's going to destroy you, Jezebel. 
Instead, what did he do? Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. Wow. Uh, we go from major, incredible breakthrough in ministry to suicidal thoughts. I, I want you to see something. I, I want you to see a progression here. And I think, I think this progression may look very familiar to you. So there's an event. There's some sort of event that happens in life. Maybe it's spiritual attack, which it was in this case. Maybe it's demonic thinking. Maybe it's one of those traumatic things. Maybe it was war and the, P- and the, the resulting PTSD. Maybe it's a, a lifestyle choices that you're making that cause you to sin and, and bring you down. Maybe it's a, simply a lack of serotonin um, in, in, in your brain. Whatever it is, there's some sort of event. And then comes the fear as a result of the event. Now we saw, right, we saw uh, that Elijah became afraid. He responded in fear. Right? He responded apart from faith, and he was like, oh, no. Like he, he believed the bad report, which is fear. And, and many times we'll see this in our lives. Something bad will happen in our lives, or, or, or there's a mental illness we're struggling with. And, and then these fear thoughts, you don't measure up, you're not good enough, you're not worth anything. No one cares. No one would care if you just flew off the side of the planet. No one would even notice. I know you've heard those thoughts. It's fear. It's fear. It's a type of fear. I don't matter. God doesn't know me. Then look at this. Isolation. What did Elijah do? When he went off, he left his servant there and he went off alone. I cannot tell you how important overcoming isolation is when it comes to defeating suicide. And this is a major mistake that Elijah made that we can learn from. He, he went off by himself. Major, major mistake. But we do this in our own lives, don't we? There's an event, right? We're succumbing to fear. And then we're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to go to that thing. I'm, I'm not going to respond to that invite. I'm not, you know, I can, I can watch church online instead of coming there. And then next thing you know, you're not watching church online. I'll get, I'll get caught up eventually, uh, right? And, 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 and this isolation begins to take root in your life. And don't just think it's a physical isolation, it's also an emotional isolation. Because some people have learned how to fake it so well, they can be around everyone else, but inside they're isolated. Because they're just playing a role. And they put on the happy face. (laughs) That was my little jig. I probably won't do that second service when there's a video. But y'all got it, it was special just for you. But, but that isolation, it's not just physical. Sometimes it's an emotional numbness where you're isolated on the inside. Then comes the depression, right? The depression. Now, clinical depression, and you can read about this. It's often, um, it, it's, you, you can know if you're wandering into clinical depression when those things that used to make you happy don't make you happy anymore. Okay? When, when, you, when you want to stay in bed, you, have, you feel like there's no reason to get out of bed. And what did Elijah do? He just wanted to sleep under that tree, man. That's all he wanted to do. Sign of clinical depression. And, and, and then came the suicidal thoughts. Lord, just, just kill me. I'm no good anymore. It's over. 
You got all the good out of me. There's nothing left. I peaked back there when I withstood the prophets of Baal. I'm, I'm done. It's over. So what was God's response? We're going to keep reading. We're going to see 1 Kings. We're going to pick up the second half of verse 5, and, and I want to show you a couple of verses. Verse 5, the rest of it says, But as he, Elijah, was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. Get up and eat. Verse 12, after the fire, so, so he goes, let me just kind of, I'll tell the story here. So he goes to a mountain, and he's, he's trying to connect with God, and there's an earthquake. God's not in the earthquake. There's a fire. God's not in the fire. But then he hears God as a still, small voice. So you've heard that before, right? It's a little whisper. And actually says, after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper, and that's when he hears God. So he connects with God. And then, by verse 21, God talks to him. He says, look, you're not alone. You're not the only one. I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you an assistant. His name is Elisha. Elisha. So what's God's solution? Again, check out this progression. Get active. He said, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Well, get up is the first part. Get up. Now, this is physically get active because science has shown us that one of the best ways to deal with stress and the physical stuff that we deal with in our, in our bodies is actually exercise. Right? It releases the endorphins. It does what's necessary uh, to cleanse our body of toxins. You know, sweat is a good thing. And so getting active is actually really, really important. But it's not just working out. It's getting active in your purpose. Finding a reason for what you're doing. Finding a purpose. Getting together. Serving someone else. Look, I, I found as part of my, when I'm dealing with something, I find someone who's dealing with it too and I minister to them. If I got a headache, I find someone with a headache and I pray for him. If I'm struggling with my finances, we're on lockdown, it happens. Y'all know what I'm talking about, you're on lockdown. We're on lockdown until Friday, y'all. Like it's ramen noodles and whatever we can, it's, it's a leftover surprise. Surprise! Who knew spaghetti and waffles went together? Been there. You know what I do when, I, when I'm there? I go find someone who's struggling financially, I bless them. You sow the seed, right? So you get active. You get active. He said, get up. Get up. Then what he say? And eat. See, you've got to feed yourself, body, soul, and spirit. Now, I don't want you to miss this. You are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. There are three parts to you. You're made in God's image. There are three parts to God. There are three parts to you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's him. Body, soul, and spirit, that's you. And it's important that you feed all three parts of who you are, and you feed it well. All right, so obviously feeding your body, taking care of yourself, what you put in your body obviously affects it. But your soul, how you feed your soul really matters. What you watch, your brain, your heart is a sponge. It soaks up everything you come in contact with. If you only watch horror movies, you're going to be afraid. Derp. I never forget, I prayed for a girl once. She's like, I'm just struggling with fear. I'm like, well, tell me, you know, what, what do you watch? She's like, well, I really love horror movies. I'm like, okay. Lord Jesus, <laughs> what you put into you matters. So you got to feed your soul with good stuff. This is where things like prayer and Bible study and laughter, goat videos on YouTube, right? There's nothing wrong with laughing. It's, it's where thing, it's, it's you feed your soul with good stuff and your spirit. And this is, this is the, this is the uh, uh, spending time with God, spending time in worship. And if, if, if you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with suicidal thoughts, you need to have a plan for your body, for your soul, and for your spirit. Now, your church, we here at VFC, we're spirit specialists. Okay? 
But we're not nutritionists. We're not psychiatrists. Right? So you, you've got to have a plan for each part of you. And, and these three should work in tandem, to, should all work together to make sure that you're being fed well. Next, he went and he found God. He drew near. It wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in the earthquake. It was in the still, small voice. He drew near to God. And then lastly, what did God give him? A helper, someone else, a person. Well, just trust in God. That's incomplete. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying don't trust in God. I'm saying that's only part of it. Trust in God and find a friend. Right? Because God gave Elijah, Elisha. And said, look, you can't do this alone. You've got to learn to rely on others. Real quick, does committing suicide forfeit automatically forfeit heaven for the believer? Let me hear it. No. No, that's silly. That, that, that's a really, 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 what it is is control. It, I, it's the desire for the church to control people's behavior by lying to them. The church does it all the time. It says, look, I'm not going to tell you the truth. I'm going to misrepresent scripture because I really don't want you killing yourself. Maybe it's good intentions, but it doesn't help. Heaven is the result of faith in Jesus, not your works. Suicide is a sin. And I wouldn't want to stand in front of God before my time. But it's no more of a forfeiture of heaven than any other sin. Right? I mean, I'm going to heaven. I love God. I sin. If I stub my toe and I drop a bomb with my mouth, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to hell because of that. Don't, the reason you go to hell is if you don't know Jesus. If you aren't trusted in Jesus, there's no relationship with Jesus. Works are the result of your salvation, not what you need in order to have salvation. Okay? Now, obviously, that's not a license to commit suicide. But, but it's, it's not correct to say that it's an automatic ticket to hell. It's not true at all. What do you do if a friend or family member is having suicidal thoughts real quick. Look, you know what to do. You reach out. You're there for them. You reach out. You talk to them. You, 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 you go first in the conversation. You don't wait for them to come to you. Well, I know they're struggling with depression, but they need to come to me first. No, you go to them. Talk to them. Ask them questions. It doesn't always have to be serious, right? Just talk to them like they're, it's as if they were a person. Reach out. Reach out. Next one is this. Look, be careful. Don't judge. If someone shares with you and says, you know what? I've, I actually, I've been having some suicidal thoughts. And How dare you? That's a sin, young man. And you do not need. Okay, okay. That's not helpful. They already know it's wrong. And they've reached a, vulner, a point of vulnerability where they're trusting you to tell. That's the last thing you need to do is be judgmental against their thoughts. Okay? So don't judge them. Uh, just be there. One of the best things you can do for someone who's struggling is simply your presence. You're like, well, I don't know what to say. Good. Don't say anything. Because you'll probably say the wrong thing, right? How many of you have gone through a traumatic event and someone says, some Christian comes up to you and says the dumbest thing. Well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious. Get out. <laughs> don't bring that mysterious ways junk in here. All right. You're going to get out. You get out of this house. You don't have to say anything. You just have to be there. You just have to be there. And, and then this is really important well, as well. Direct them to professional help. I can just say, hey, look, you need to go, uh-uh. Can I take you? Can I take you to the crisis center here? 
in Thomasville off Cassidy Road. Can I go with you to the ER? You go to the ER, you say, look, I'm having suicidal thoughts. They'll, go, they'll take it from there. Okay? But, but direct them to professional help. Say, well, you know, if you want to talk with someone, um, can I help you find someone you would trust? Right? So that's what you do. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Look, we're, we're to share the burden. What do you do if you're having suicidal thoughts? Well, first of all, don't panic. You have these thoughts, you're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Don't panic. Don't panic, okay? You're all right. You need to deal with this. But you're, you're going to be all right. Tell someone. Tell someone, this is so important, so important. If you're having suicidal ideation, that's visions, that's thoughts, that's plans, okay? If you're having that, it's so important. Please hear me. You've got to tell someone. You've got to say, look, this is embarrassing for me, and here's the deal. I've actually been visualizing doing this to myself, and I know it's silly, but go to someone you trust, and you've got to tell them because shame grows in the dark. And you've got to shine the light on your thoughts. And if you pick the right person to talk to, then they're going to understand. And if they've been through this message, they'll know what to do because we just talked about it. Okay? Um, talk to the thoughts. I don't have time to get into this, but we take thoughts captive that don't belong to God. The way I like to do that personally is talk to my thoughts. If I have a thought, you know what, Jamie? You're just you're ridiculous. No one cares about you. No one thinks your messages matter. Everyone thinks you're dumb. It, I will talk to myself. And I'll say, that's not true. And everyone's like, you know, the person in the car next to me is like, that guy's crazy. Maybe, maybe, but that thought's gone. <laughs> Because I talked to it, and I told it who was boss, and I answer it with scriptures, what Jesus did when Satan came, right? He talked to it. Talk to your thoughts. Talk to it out loud. Say, uh-uh, not true. Tell, tell the truth to those thoughts. Um, go to the crisis center of the ER again. If, if, you are, if you are struggling with these thoughts, it's coming overwhelming, and you can't find someone to talk to, just go, what's the worst that can happen? They're like, I mean, they're going to take you in. It's not going to be fun. It's not Disney World over there. But you're dealing with something significant, and it's okay. It's okay to go there, okay? And then call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Or they've even got the texting version now. For everyone under the age of 20 that doesn't talk on the phone. You ever talk to a kid under 20? They have no idea what to do. They're like, hello? Hi, this is Jamie. Would you... Um... (laughs) So text, you can text the crisis line as well, okay? And then as well, and I put this one last on purpose, call or text me or, or a leader at the church. Now, it's not last because you're not important to us. It's just like we're not always available 24-7. But, but the crisis center and the phone line and the tech, they are. So I'm not saying don't contact me. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying don't contact someone, but you're dealing with schedules and you're dealing with other things. But, but these things are available 24-7, Right? So reach out to me, absolutely. Reach out to the pastors, reach out to the elders, reach out to your, your FaceTime group leader. Do all that kind of stuff. I want to show you a couple, couple of scriptures and then, and then a quote and then we're done. Let me show you this scripture. And I want you to understand, suicide is not God's plan for you. It's not. Not all of you mentally agreed with that, but sometimes you don't feel that way. But I just want to remind you. It says, I know the plans I have for you. See, God has plans for you. Now, he was writing this to the Israelites during their exile, and and this is ripped from context, but that's okay, because God loves you just like he loved them back then. 
And he hasn't changed how he feels about humanity. He says, I have plans for you. There are plans for what? Good and not for disaster. Suicide's a disaster. It's not God's plan for you. He wants to give you a future and a hope. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, Do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Don't destroy God's temple. Don't wreck his house. Don't trash his home. He lives in you. He lives in you. I knew I'd be preparing for this sermon sometime last year, and I was watching the show Sherlock on Netflix, if anyone's seen that. I don't recommend TV shows because as soon as I do, like, it goes off the rails or something. But, um, but it, we, we, Tiff and I really like this show. And there was, this, there was this dialogue in there. It just, just hit me right between the eyes. It was so scriptural. It was so amazing. And this is what Sherlock told someone. He said, taking your own life, interesting expression, taking it from who? Once it's over, it's not you who will miss it. Your own death is something that happens to everyone else. Your life is not your own. Keep your hands off of it. Isn't that good? I want you to hear me. Your life matters. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have a destiny. There are things that God has for you to do that only you can do. Do not rob this world of you. Do not rob God's plan from you. Your life is not your own. You have so much in you that's good. There's too much at stake for you not to fight these thoughts of depression and suicide. You matter. There are people that God needs you to reach out to in this world. And he can't do it if he doesn't have you. Deal with those thoughts. Deal with them. Don't do it. Don't give in. Fight those thoughts. Fight the depression. Fight the isolation. I know you won't feel like it. Do it anyway. If not for you, do it for us. Because your life is not your own. It affects everyone. And it matters. And my question for all of us this morning is, is your life your own? Do you recognize that God has great things for you? You may battle depression. I know a lot of you do. You may battle anxiety. You may battle your past. You may battle all sorts of trauma. But look, your life is not your own. It's his and it's ours. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. Just close your eyes. We ran late. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Come on. I want you just to tell the Lord in your own voice. My life belongs to you. Just be honest. Say, Lord, you know I deal with different things. Come on, whatever it is, your sins, your depression, your... Maybe you've been diagnosed with mental illness. Whatever's going on, there's a God that loves you. He can heal you. But until he heals you fully, he's going to walk with you through this. But your life is not your own. It's not your own. It's not yours to do with what you want.
Just repeat this prayer to me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you all over again like it was the first time. I admit that my life is not my own. I did not choose to be born. So it's a gift from you and it's yours. I commit it to you all over again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you close? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.